Atlanta's July 4th tradition is back. There's really very few races like Peachtree. The 2021 Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race. I would much rather be known as the world's safest 10K. And no matter how you choose to run it, we're here to get you ready. Helps me stay in shape and build friendships and work off stress. You're listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race. We are just weeks away now from reuniting for the AJC Peachtree Road Race, and we couldn't be more excited for this season of the Peachtree Podcast. Here with Jay Holder, I'm Jennifer Perry. Back for another season, Jay, and this one is starting to feel semi-normal. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it is starting to feel semi-normal. It's you know we weren't. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking because the last Peachtree was in November, right? So yeah. we haven't gone a full year, but it feels like we've gone two years because it's been <laughs> so long since we've had a Peachtree like the traditional Peachtree. And this year, yeah, it's spring outside. I'm starting to get real sweaty during my runs. <laughs> yes, it feels like Peachtree season, and I couldn't be more excited. Oh, the humidity's kicked up just in this past week. So we hope people have been already training. I know there's been an extra pep in my step, though, these last couple of weeks, just because this will be my very first, you know, in-person event since this whole thing began. But you at Atlanta Track Club, we're going to talk to Rich Kanaw, the executive director, and of course, the race director, too, of the AJC Peachtree Road Race a little bit later here on today's episode, Jay. But you guys have been doing some in-person races, but it's just been a constant adaptation as we've kind of worked our way through this pandemic, hasn't it? Growth and adaptation. And for us, we decided very early on that having the peach tree on July 4th in 2021 was of utmost importance for this organization. But we couldn't do that without a lot of planning and without a lot of figuring out how to do it right in this now normal. I like to call it the now normal, not new normal that we live in. And so we started doing in-person races last June. And I mean, it was 25 to 50 people doing a 400 meter race around our office and then just slowly increased the size and scope of those races and scaled it up by implementing new safety procedures. We had a 4,000 person Atlanta's Marathon weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway in February. So we've really been working on getting to this point for more than a year now. And I feel really good about what we've learned along the way and some of the safety implementations we've been able to put into our events. And so Peachtree is going to be sort of the culmination of all of that. But it's going to be the one that feels, I think, the most normal um, (laughs) since the pandemic began, yeah. For sure. And we're going to talk to Rich Kana a little bit later about some of the major changes for this year's race and how we're adapting in this post-COVID world and coming out of the pandemic and getting back to some of that in-person racing. But we've learned a lot over this past year, year and a half, Jay. And one of the things we've gotten really good at is the technology. Now, you and I are recording this podcast remotely this season because actually uh, this is going to be a year where you you miss the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Can you tell us why? Well, I'm going to miss it and I'm not. So I will okay. be running it virtually because the virtual option still exists. That's and right. registration is still open until June 7th okay. if you'd like to be part of it. But I'm going to be running it. So I'm going to, I'm taking a long way to get to the, to the lead here. But I'm going to actually get to run it this year, which is really exciting because as staff members, we don't generally get to run the Peachtree because we are working it. But I'll be running it from Tokyo, Japan, uh, where mm-hmm. I am headed. We're recording on May 26th. I'm heading there two weeks from yesterday. So I'll be there for the bulk of the summer working on track and field and the opening and closing ceremonies at the Olympic Games. How cool. Um, wow. Yeah. So I'll be doing this podcast from, from quarantine for a couple of weeks <laughs> and then from my apartment in Japan. But I'll also get to run the 10K 
around Olympic Stadium, I hope. So oh, wow. um, it's, it's exciting. It's a little sad to miss the Peachtree when it's coming back uh, sure. this year, but I hope to still be involved in a really unique, memorable way. Oh, for sure. This is going to be a one for the record books for you, for mm-hmm. sure. And I'm wondering, you know, since we do have the Olympics and it's such a big Olympic stage, uh, I know Alephine, you know, she qualified in the Olympic trials last year. There are going to be a lot of athletes over there in Japan. Does that take away at all from some of the elites that um, might be participating in this year's race? It helps it because they won't go. Peachtree is perfectly situated in a marathon program for anybody training for the Olympic marathon. We're talking six weeks out. So a 10K is a great race to do if you're if you're going to be on that team. And because of that, we have half of the team at this point committed to come back and run the Peachtree, which will double as the U.S. 10K championships once again. Nice. And among those people are Alephine Tulimuk, Jake Riley and Abdi Abdi Rockman. So Alephine will be back. It'll be her first race since the trials here in Atlanta, first race since having a baby in January. (laughs) So we're really, really excited uh, as we're recording today. We're just about to announce it. So I'm saying it for the first time here because we haven't announced it yet. But by the time this podcast drops, the news will have broken that that Alephine is our headlining athlete for the 52nd running of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peace Street Road Race. Oh, that is awesome. It's been such a big year for her in so many ways. So it's going to be nice to see her here on the streets. This has kind of become her second home, I believe, because she's so well loved here and a great primer too for the games in Tokyo. You mentioned everything you're having to go through and quarantine over there, the protocols in place for an event of that size. There are many protocols in place for an event of this size too here at the AJC Peachtree Road Race. And one of our other guests today, Jay, is going to help us address some of those questions. Uh, You have recently had a chance to catch up with Dr. Jonathan Kim, actually before the latest CDC guidelines were announced. I mean, here's the thing about this virus. we're constantly evolving in how we respond to it with vaccines rolling out. There's been a lot of progress lately. Atlanta Truck Club is really good at knowing what we don't know. Uh-huh. And so when we decided that this was going to be a mission to bring back the peach tree on July 4th, we were able to consult with and gather a group of infectious disease, medical experts, public safety experts, city officials to put together a COVID task force for the peach tree. And that's led by our medical director, Dr. Jonathan Kim. And they have worked with us every step of the way to recommend the best practices help us deal with the evolution of the best practices and make sure that what we're implementing on race day not only adheres to CDC guidelines, but keeps people safe. And so we talked to Dr. Kim about that, about why people should feel comfortable uh, taking part in the peach tree. It's an outdoor event and about what steps are gonna be taken, be put in place to make sure that all participants, volunteers and attendees are kept as safe as possible as we slowly come out the other side of this thing. Yeah, he has some great perspective on this long road back to normalcy for so many of us. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up right here on the Peachtree Podcast. As the official bank of Atlanta Track Club, PNC Bank is committed to helping Atlantans take action today so you can reach your financial goals tomorrow. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. the busiest man in Atlanta, at least in my peripheral, is the executive director of Atlanta Track Club and the race director of the Peachtree, Rich Kanaw. Back in September, he said we were going to have the Peachtree on July 4th and it was going to be in person. And I think everybody thought he was crazy. And now (laughs) it's real and it's happening. And it's because of his leadership and the hard work that he's put into bringing the right people together to make sure that it happens. So Jennifer, I know you got a chance to sit down and talk to Rich about his planning as we are about six weeks out from the Peachtree and how we got to where we are today. 
Yeah, thanks, Jay. And uh, for those who signed up but don't know the major changes for this year's Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race, yes, there are some big changes. So, Rich, I mean, you've had to adapt, adjust, but you've really come up with a cool plan for this year's race weekend. Again, we're all excited to get back in person, but you're kind of stretching it out, giving people a lot of options. And I guess you probably had to do that in a year like this one. Yeah, adaptability, I think, is the, is the key word in the environment in which we are living. And yes, we are super excited about bringing the in-person peach tree back to the community and doing it in a way that, uh, that will preserve that 4th of July weekend traditional feel, but in a way that makes everybody feel safe. Yeah. Um, so to start off, the, the two-day peach tree is, is really the, the most significant departure from the norm. Mm-hmm. So the days work to our benefit this year in terms of how the calendar falls. So July 3rd is a Saturday and July 4th is a Sunday. So we are going to deliver uh, Peachtree times two in 2021 (laughs) with a race on July 3rd and July 4th. Does that mean twice the work for you and your staff? You know, it's funny. I think it might be 2.5 times the work. (laughs) (laughs) But it is kind of a challenge, but also very unique. And I'm wondering, are there the traditionalists like me who just, I decided I'm going to do this on July 4th because I just want normalcy. But how many are you seeing sign up for the third? So our educated guess was that most people would jump on the path that you've taken. Hey, I, I want normalcy. I want tradition. I'm going to take July 4th. And while the majority of those who are participating did take that option, we were pleasantly surprised that, I'll call it 30 to 40% of those who registered opted to take the third. And, oh. and there's a few potential reasons for that. And my guess is that there are so many people who have not traveled, who have been home, and, and they're tired of seeing the inside of their house, uh, and they're going to participate in the peach tree on the 3rd of July and then take off and do something different for the 4th. Yeah, it's a nice option to have if we have to do it this way, you know, get the most out of that holiday weekend for sure. But uh, what about the virtual option? I know you wanted to offer that for people who may not still feel safe coming out and racing in person. Again, what we learned last year is you you need to give people options. And we have found that the virtual option still has legs. People are still interested in being part of our programming, specifically the Peachtree, even though they're not ready to come back together in person. So that virtual option is still out there and it's out there until June 7th. So if you're interested in registering for the virtual running of the Peachtree, uh, we'll still give you the opportunity to register. Jay told us he'll be doing the virtual option from Tokyo. So that has to be kind of fun too. you know, allowing people to try a race, be part of the action, but maybe a little bit further away. You did that with last year's AJC Peachtree Road Race, Rich. How was it? I didn't get a chance to talk to you after Thanksgiving weekend. How was your virtual race last year? It was, well, first of all, it was my first peach tree ever because I'm always working. So right. it, it was any peach tree that I can participate in is going to be great. Um, but uh, it was funny. I was planning on doing it on Friday, so the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, and I was out there with folks who were doing it on, on Thanksgiving morning. And I got so fired up that I wanted to get it done on Thanksgiving. So I came home and, and changed my clothes and went out there and I had a blast. I started it. I didn't run the entire course, 
Um, but I started in Buckhead and I ended up in Piedmont Park. So it was sort of a similar footprint, not like Jay in Tokyo this year. Uh, and I got my Peachtree fix. I love it. And uh, have you learned anything over this past year? I mean, what lessons might you take away from this world of virtual races and social distancing that might apply even in the future for Atlanta Track Club? Yeah, we've we've learned a ton, and and I've said this uh, a lot, and I think I probably said it to you is, is the track club will be better for having lived and worked and operated through this pandemic in terms of how to plan uh, for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd say that the most significant takeaways are as follows: Number one, lean into transparency, own what you know, and also own what you don't know because that builds confidence amongst your community, your membership, and your participant base. The other is that as much as this race by appointment approach that we've had in this last year is a significant deviation from the norm where everyone gathers at your start lines at the same time, we have seen a lot of people who really like this new approach. There's less traffic, uh, there's less density, and and it's just generally an easier morning for a lot of people. So I would not be surprised if we look for a way to keep the race by appointment approach for some of our smaller events in play. Huh, okay, interesting. So again, convenience might be a factor going forward, but let's talk about some of the changes for this year's race weekend. First of all, Rich, I think a lot of racers are wondering mask or no mask this year? What's the policy there? So I'll start by saying mask, but Listen to the details, um, because as soon as someone hears mask, they go to a certain place on sort of what their experience is going to be like. So we are requiring a mask, but only at certain times and in certain locations. You will be able to participate in the Peachtree, run and walk from Lenox down to Piedmont Park without a mask. So no mask at all. Okay. But what we are asking and in fact requiring is that as you show up and approach the start line, so our permitted area and the start line, and as you are in a relatively dense environment, not as dense as it normally is, but Mm -hmm. a dense environment, we're going to have you with your mask on. And as soon as you get to that start line and your wave goes off, take off that mask, put it in your pocket around your wrist, throw it in the garbage that we have there if it's a throwaway mask and enjoy your race as you normally would. And then after you come across the finish line and in your permitted area in Piedmont Park, we're asking you to put the mask back on. And if you don't have the mask that you started with, don't fret, don't worry. Uh, because we have a watertight pouch on the back of your race number that includes a new mask. Oh, okay. uh, so you'll be able to put that on again in that permitted area if you want to leave it on as you're taking Marta back home. And the reason why we're doing this is because there are both vaccinated and unvaccinated people who are participating in the race. Right. And we see this as, a, as an opportunity for everyone to just show respect to the people around them, even though there is no science at this moment Uh, that says that uh, in an outdoor environment like this, that you're at risk. Right. But again, taking all necessary precautions, we want it to be a safe race day. And again, you don't have to run the course on July 4th with a mask on. So that's the most important part. We don't have to run with it on, Rich. But tell us about these COVID sniffing dogs that you've employed for this year's race, too. I was reading about this recently in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is kind of fascinating stuff. So I'll start by saying, yes, I love dogs, but that has nothing to do with the decisions <laughs> that we made here. So over many months, we've looked at how to 
best screen vaccinated and unvaccinated participants as they participate in this year's race. And this is where we landed. And we've done our research and we've looked at double blind studies and we've looked at the training and, and we've determined that it is actually true that the canine sniffing dogs that are being trained to screen attendees and participants at large scale events from concerts to venues are accurate. And in many cases, more accurate than the most accurate PCR tests that are out there. Mm. So as you are picking up your race number at the expo, or for those who have opted to have their race number picked up on race morning, you will be screened by dogs, much like you were screened by dogs at the airport going through security. Okay. They'll walk by you, give you a little sniff, uh, and as long as you pass the test, you're on your merry way. And if for some reason they find you of interest, we will discreetly pull you out of the line and you will be given options. You will be given an option for a deferment, or if you want to take a full-on COVID test right there to clear you for participation, we'll do that as well. Okay, good to know. And uh, I love the extra layer of protection there and our furry friends sniffing us at the starting line. Better that they sniff us there than the finish line, I think, Rich. So, <laughs> well, well <said. laughs> but With so many changes you know, to this race weekend that you're doing, Rich, should we arrive maybe earlier than we tend to do for normal peach trees? No, in, in fact, not. What we're going to do is we're going to communicate with you specifically based on what wave you are assigned. Okay. Uh, and we're asking you, we're going to ask you to arrive at a certain sort of time window called 30 minutes from where you start. So that will alleviate congestion and ultimately make for a more efficient race morning start experience. So stay tuned for communications from us on when you should arrive, but don't worry, you shouldn't plan to arrive there ever earlier because the reality is there's going to be less people at the start line and we're going to sort of hyper plan your experience from the time you enter our screening process all the way through to the finish line. All right. So pay attention to those emails that you're getting from Atlanta Track Club and those race instructions for race day, depending on your wave. And I know, Rich, a lot of people make this a family affair on July 4th weekend. A lot of people want their families there at the finish line. How has that changed this year in Piedmont Park? So we're going to ask people to deviate from the normal a little bit. While the course is open for spectators, as it always is, the finish line area, so our permitted area in Piedmont Park, is going to be for participants only. So once they enter the finish or pass the finish line, it's going to essentially be an exit only area. So no family and friends in the meadow as we normally have. But if you do uh, want to hear the support to, of those family and friends, certainly encourage them to do that responsibly out there on the course. Any other major changes that we need to be aware of heading into the home stretch here as we train for our version of the AJC Peachtree Road Race this year? No major change. Well, I'll take that back. You'll see a little bit of a change on the course. So normally we have five fluid stations out there. And that's because we have so many people on the course and so much density. We want to make sure that we give people ample opportunity to get hydrated. Okay. We're only going to have three locations this year. And at those locations, 
we are going to have unopened bottled water for you. So I encourage you to utilize those three stations and to make sure that you use all the water in your water bottle. So, okay. so exhaust every drop of water that you have, whether that is drinking it or pouring on your head, keeping yourself cool, but just plan for three stations rather than five and plan to, to carry some water from the start uh, with a small water bottle or a water belt in a way that you feel comfortable keeping yourself nice and hydrated. Good to know. Make those plans right now for hydration. Maybe start incorporating that into your training plans too. But in addition to all the COVID protocols and some of the changes that you're making for race weekend, we want to highlight an important change that affects some local charities this year, Rich. There is something new this year with this race with the official charity partner program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I can. And thanks for asking. So the Peachtree is known as the world's largest 10K. And for years, the track club has been giving uh, the opportunity for some people who did not get into the race, the chance to run as a fundraising opportunity for our Kilometer Kids program. But we have not invited outside charities to leverage the reach of the Peachtree to raise money for their respective missions. And this will be the first year that we do that. So a handful of charitable organizations have been approved uh, to be part of our charity program. So you can get your entry, if you are not already entered, through one of our charity programs. You can raise money for them, for their mission, as well as uh, experience the peach tree in the way that you normally would. So you have some fun, you enjoy your 4th of July or your 3rd of July, and you're doing good for well-intentioned, mission-focused nonprofits in the Atlanta metro area. Well, if you want to see the full list too, that's right there on Atlanta Track Club's website. A great way to give back while you're also running this year's race. Rich Kana, Executive Director of Atlanta Track Club and Race Director for the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks so much for joining us yet again here on the Peachtree Podcast. We always love opening the season with you. Thanks for having me. The Home Depot has more ways to keep your projects running at record pace. From voice and image search to project calculators, the Home Depot is how doers get more done. Health and safety are always a priority at the Peachtree, but especially as we get back to in-person racing. Our next guest, Jay, has some real insight on that. So joined now by Dr. Jonathan Kim, co-medical director of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race. And, and Dr. Kim, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me as, as usual, Jay. Happy to be here. It is not as usual, though. This year is very different than the past couple times we've talked on this show and leading up to the Peachtree. Can you tell me what's been going on behind the scenes? I know there's an all-star team of medical professionals and safety experts trying to make sure that this race is as safe as it can possibly be. Absolutely. And I think as Rich alluded, and I know that's been the message from the track club and you in general, that we are not the largest 10K in the world this year. We want to be the safest 10K in the world. And that's been the point of emphasis. And I think it's important to mention because you want participants in the race to feel confident in the people that are making these decisions that when you have experts in public health, infectious disease, um, sports cardiology, Dr. Kumar's emergency medicine, who all have different vantage points dealing with COVID-19 because each of us have been dealing with different aspects of the pandemic. And then, of course, you have Sam Charter, whose role with uh, emergency planning in general and disaster management 
you have all of us who really come into it, I think, with a very healthy degree of skepticism, which is we have to convince ourselves that we can do this safely. And I think the meetings that we had, actually, even up to date, we've seen that, which is going through all the options. Can we do this? Where's community spread? Uh, Obviously, that's where you're relying a lot on your public health experts. And then we mix that with thinking about the race and how we handle the Peachtree Road Race every year. So what are the common medical challenges that we deal with every year at the Peachtree Road Race? And now we have to marry that with COVID-19, which we've obviously never done before because we didn't have the race last year. And really with all aspects of our considerations, I think it's been thinking about that. And of course, planning is still ongoing. And certainly we all have to acknowledge that this is still a very dynamic uh, pandemic. And where we stand right now could be different in a month. Uh, However, some of the good news that we're seeing this year compared to last year, uh, obviously we have vaccinations now, and that's a critical part of why we're seeing case numbers and deaths fall in this country. So we're in a better spot now for sure. And I think that's why we are continuing on planning the safest 10K in the world on July 3rd and 4th. You mentioned that healthy dose of skepticism, and I think that's really important. And in one of the conversations we had with Dr. Kumar for our social media channels, she said, listen, if you would have told me in September that we're going to be doing this, I would have said absolutely not. But you had to start planning that long ago to get where we are today. How has your confidence level changed? Because I imagine you were seeing what you see every day in the same boat in the fall when we first started talking about having this race. Absolutely. I think uh, Dr. Kuma and I have really been uh, step-by-step in terms of our opinions on this. So I would concur. If you had asked me that in September, frankly, even going through the winter months (laughs) uh, up until the new year, I would feel like this was almost too good to be true that we're in this position now talking about this. So things have changed a lot. And I think it's, it's certainly been the emphasis and how well we've done as a country vaccinating. We can do a lot better for sure, but it's been pretty remarkable, the numbers that we're seeing. And you see our public health experts commenting on that, that we've done a good job. And that I think has really kind of changed the tide. Now, that being said, by no stretch of the imagination, again, just to emphasize for listeners, do we think this is going to look anything like a normal Peachtree Road race? So we want to ensure that runners have that confidence that our goal is to not turn this into an unsafe mass gathering event. We're trying to do this as safely as possible. And much of what we've talked about are obviously trying to build to that. We've seen vaccination rates climb. And and one of the things that's in in our messaging to participants and volunteers is get the vaccine if you can get it. If it's available to you and it's widely available now, can you just from because our race director can say that and I can say that, but we're not doctors. Can you as a doctor tell people why the vaccine is the best thing you can do? Boy, how long do you have here? <laughs> that could be a whole separate podcast. Listen, much of the reason why vaccines are so critical are some of it stating the obvious, right? And I've seen other public health experts talk about this, which is the chance of death from COVID-19 after getting vaccinated is essentially zero. If you look at the cases, it's such an infinitesimally small percentage. But if you just go beyond that, the chance of being on a ventilator, and I don't think anybody wants to be on a ventilator, again, infinitesimally becomes much smaller being vaccinated. The vaccines are safe. I've told this to my patients in clinic because I think there's always some concern, you know, was it rushed through? And actually, I would use that J&J anecdote as a, a reason why people should have faith that this was done very carefully and, and the right way. 
they shut down a distribution of Johnson and Johnson for a very small number of clearly very adverse events. But the overwhelming majority of individuals uh, and certainly men were really not at risk at all from this. If you look at who was having some of these blood clotting adverse events, and that's how seriously the folks in charge our public health officials took that. So to get things through and to get this emergency use authorization takes an extremely high bar. And lastly, I say this a lot to my younger athletes I take care of, and this is really important. You may not die from COVID-19 if you're young. We've known that even in the beginning, that obviously it's the older individuals, those with comorbidities that tend to have worse outcomes. It is a complete, the wrong message to give to young people that, well, you know, if you get it, you'll just get cold or a flu, you'll be fine. Basically think of it like a bad cold or the flu. I can attest in my own sports cardiology clinic, I take care of a number of young athletes who have really suffered from long haul COVID. And long haul COVID is a whole different animal because we still don't understand long haul. And that is very different than these other respiratory viruses that we've dealt with. And it's really tragic. Some of these athletes I take care of that are a shell of themselves as it relates to performance and symptoms that have gone on for months um, and still not better after having COVID. And these are some of the fittest folks that you've seen. And we don't know who gets it. So it's not as if I see long haul COVID and it's a certain type of athlete or certain risk factors that may be present. It's completely random. And so I would just really emphasize to everybody that for all of these reasons, and then of course, you top it off with just ceasing the spread of this pandemic. And if the goal is herd immunity, you got to get you know, Dr. Fauci says 75, 80% of the country. It's just really critical that everyone believes in the vaccine. And I have certainly emphasized that to all of my patients, to all your listeners. We will get to a normal, quote unquote, Peachtree Road Race in 2022 and every other facet of life if we all really buy into this. And it's everybody having each other's back. It's, it's the ultimate sign of doing your patriotic duty to get vaccinated and to protect everyone else better day to talk about that than on July 4th. Despite the increase in vaccinations and despite what the CDC came out and said recently about outdoor masks, we're still going to be encouraging people to wear masks before and after the race. Because I imagine when the CDC came out and eased those guidelines, they were not talking about when you're standing on Lenox Road, even at socially distanced with a couple thousand other people. We still want to take the utmost caution. 100% agree. Absolutely. And even if you look at the CDC guidelines, it definitely mentions that, that it's not, you cannot extrapolate that to larger events. Um, And certainly, even though we are clearly, as we've talked about, it's not going to look like Lenox Road in 2019, nor in the meadow at the finish line, not even close, there's still going to be a lot of people. And for sure, wearing masks after, before and after is going to be really important. And we totally empathize and understand that this is July 4th and July 4th in Atlanta is not a really good time to be out wearing a mask. So yes, we're sacrificing being comfortable. I can tell you in the medical tents, we're going to be pretty miserable (laughs) with masks and face shields on for several hours on both July 3rd and July 4th, but it's just the right thing to do. Uh, Even for all of us who may be vaccinated in the medical tents. And a reminder to anybody listening, you don't have to wear it when you're running. And there will be a mask attached to the back of your bib. So when you cross that line, you'll have a clean, dry mask to put on. So trying to make it as as convenient as possible. Dr. Kim, you talked about how the medical area will look different this year, much like everything at Peachtree. What's going to be different about the way you approach and you staff up for this event? It's a great question. And it kind of goes back to the points I've brought up in the beginning, which is uh, taking into account what we usually see at Peachtree Road Race with COVID-19. And 
what we're still going to see this year is a lot of heat exhaustion. So I will take this opportunity actually to emphasize to runners the importance of training for this race, hydrating, not overdoing it. It's really important because heat exhaustion is not, we're not going to be immune from that just because we're down to a much smaller percentage of runners that are out running the race. And so when we think about how we are building our medical tents and how we are going to staff the medical tents, it is taking that into account, which is we still need to have the resources to be able to manage this. And when we think about all of the challenges as it relates when you have 60,000 people and you have a mass number of people where that just builds up heat and humidity. These are all the other factors uh, as we think about the design of the tents and spreading out of the runners, which we're working very closely with you guys as it relates to how that's going to look. And of course, ensuring that we know we're going to see a lot of heat exhaustion (laughs) and still being able to provide the cooling that's going to be really necessary for those runners. I have to ask because I think about this often and I know you've been on the front lines of this for a year and a half now. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for asking, Jay. I'm doing well. This past, um, actually yesterday, so not just this past weekend, but yesterday for the first time in a year and a half, uh, my family went and had dinner with my sister who lives in Atlanta. And it's the truth. The first time we've been in her house, they're all vaccinated. Obviously, we're vaccinated. Uh, my kids wore masks the whole time. I was, you know, was able to give my sister a hug for the first time in literally a year and a half. And it was a remarkable feeling. So I, I, you know, we've all struggled and suffered as a country just dealing with this. But we all know that some people have really suffered the most with losing loved ones. I have the health of myself, of course, my wife, my kids. So I can't ask for much more than that because we've all been dealing with it. So thanks for asking. And I should ask the same to you. Are, are you hanging in there? Yeah, we're all vaccinated here. My, you know, my kids, uh, we're hoping to see some family. And in a couple of weeks, my father-in-law was here this last weekend, and it was great to see him for the first time since this all started. So yeah, I mean, it's just this reminder that we're almost there. Like if we just can all stay the course and all just not let our guard down yet, we could get back to some normalcy and, you know, in the foreseeable future. And that that's encouraging. Absolutely. We're slowly getting there. And it will be nice to have, even though it's not our usual peace tree, it is going to be nice. It's like other things, like yesterday, the family event I told you about is starting to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And um, we just got to hang in there for a little bit longer. Thanks, Dr. Jim. Support for Atlanta Track Club comes from Northside Hospital Atlanta, whose 25,000 employees honor their fellow healers, helpers, and heroes throughout Georgia. The state's family of healthcare professionals serves all Georgians with compassion, skill, and pride. Thanks as always to Dr. Kim for joining us for Perspective. We so appreciated that, especially these last two years here on the podcast, Jay, because things are changing so quickly. And again, things have changed quickly here in just the last few weeks. Do you think there might be some other changes that we're going to see in the guidelines leading up to race day? I think so. And we're ready for it. Uh, We we monitor this every day and and we want to make our changes accordingly. I mean, we want to, obviously we want to make sure that everybody is safe, feels safe, is safe, but we also want everybody to have a really good time and a great experience. So to the extent that we can reduce the restrictions and make it feel more normal, we're going to do that as long as it complies with CDC guidelines. So if new guidelines come out and hopefully they continue to go in the direction that they've been going, we'll be able to pull back some of these things and make it feel even more like a normal peach tree. And that's the goal of 
every day. Safety and fun, obviously in that order, but we'd love to be able to pull back some of the restrictions as the CDC gives us the guidelines to do so. And of course, you'll hear about it first right here on the Peachtree Podcast if there are any changes. And of course, follow Atlanta Track Club 2 on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for immediate updates. Next week, Jay, here on the Peachtree Podcast, we have a young man who's been so impressive on this course in the wheelchair division. It's always fun to watch the wheelchair racers go off first in the morning. And this guy kind of shocked a few people a few years ago, didn't he? He ran 1811 on this course in 2019, which shattered the event record by 23 seconds, was 1834. That won him $50,000 in event record bonus wow. money, which was which was a huge deal. It was the first time that the wheelchair division has been given equality in the prize purse in any race that we know of, and is the biggest purse ever paid to a wheelchair racer. Of course, Manuela Shar also broke the event record in the women's division. Daniel Romanchek is the guy we're talking about. He is just about 20 years old. He is tearing up the world wheelchair marathon and track and field circuit. He just set a world record in Switzerland over the weekend. So he's going to be back this year looking for win number four in a row. And he is very excited to be back in Atlanta. Well, we can't wait to hear from him and some other members of that wheelchair division who we'll be featuring here next week on the Peachtree Podcast. And I always say, Jay, if you've never gotten to the Peachtree course early enough to see those racers go off, you really should because it's so impressive what they are able to accomplish. It's the 40th running of the Shepherd Wheelchair Division. Wow. And so we're going to have an extra celebration for that this year. But that's one of the things I'm most excited about with Peachtree being back on the streets is being able to see the Wheelchair Division climb Cardiac Hill once again, because it is truly one of my top three favorite things in the Peachtree race. And as always, Jay, if our listeners here on the Peachtree podcast have questions about any of the changes this year or anything we discuss here on the podcast, we'd love to hear from them and have their input here on this season, because I know there's just so much right now. We talked to Rich today about a lot of the changes, Dr. Kim about some of the changes, and I'm sure you're getting questions every single day about how this year's race weekend is going to play out. Every day, and we're here to answer them. You can email questions at atlantatrackclub.org, or if you have a a question specific for us to address on the podcast, stories at atlantatrackclub.org, or just mention us on social media, and we will make sure to get your question answered. So join us here again next week, getting you ready for this year's AJC Peachtree Road Race tradition right here on the Peachtree Podcast. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club. A DYJ Media Production.